You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 126. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So I just want to take a minute before the show and thank those of you who have filled out our survey for SagerCon Retreat that happened two weeks ago. It's really incredible and very humbling as well to read these comments. And some of them really made me cry happy tears. It reminded me why I got into education in the first place. So thank you so much for those of you who took the time and filled our survey. We are working on the July SagerCon right now, and I'm all years for your suggestions. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at stage for more or join our private Facebook group. Just search for the Home Staging Show on Facebook and you can leave us a message there as well. Oh, and the early bird submission for our International Home Staging Award is now open. So make sure you send in your fabulous home staging projects. So today on the show, we have another amazing stager who is also one of our students in many of our different courses at our school. And I thought it could be really beneficial for those of you who are starting out to hear another home stager's journey on how she built her business and how she transformed her home staging business as well. And some of the challenges you might face and then also some of the things that might inspire you as well in taking actions in your home staging business. So today we have Teresa on the show and she's the CEO and founder of We Sage Jacksonville in Jacksonville, Florida. She's a mom, a wife, and a friend to many in the industry. And like so many stagers before her, she had a vision that one day she would be running a successful home staging company with a warehouse full of accessories and furnishing, doing what she loves to her heart's content, and which is vacant and luxury staging. It's almost four years since that journey has begun for her. And she might add, very bumpy along the way, where one time she almost completely walked away. However, she didn't, and she's happy to say that she wouldn't change one thing if given the chance. Mentors, coaches, and colleagues along the way have been all instrumental in her success, and she looks forward to seeing where this exciting journey of home staging will take her next. So I'm super excited to share with you Terry's journey today. And I hope you like this episode, and let's get started. I got Teresa on the show today. We're experimenting this week to record our home staging show podcast live. Teresa is like our third pick this week. So thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I'm really curious. So how did you get started in staging? Retail has always been my background. Like I've always been involved in fashion in some way. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, so I was right outside of New York, you know, the fashion capital of the world. So I was always there. I worked in New York. I mean, I worked on Wall Street, um, but I always played in the fashion district. So when I started my family, you know, I was going to stay home with my kids. I wasn't going to go back to work. And I knew I wasn't just going to stay home and be a mom. I had to work. And from there, it was one thing after another. I started a clothing line for children. Actually, it was more towards boys because every time I went to a store in New Jersey, it was three quarters of the store was for the girls and there was nothing for me to purchase for the boys. So I just started this quirky little line called Boys Only. And it was something for me to be creative at night. So I was home with my children, you know, with pretty much all day and then at night, I was downstairs with my heat press and I was sewing and it was fun. I had a good time with it. From there, I went into a retail store. I always knew I wanted to open a mom and pop. 
and I did that. So I pretty much had always, you know, felt that I was always going to be running a business, you know. So when I heard about staging, it was really a no-brainer for me. And I was just kind of stepping out of the retail realm. Like I went back for a little while just to have fun, nothing serious. And then when I started hearing more and more about staging, I was like, I got to look into this. And as soon as I did, I knew exactly what I wanted to do vacant staging all the way. Like I was obsessed with it. Yeah. But the funny thing was it didn't happen so easy for me. And I hear a lot of people say that, you know, you get involved and you think the business is just going to keep pouring in and it didn't work like that. I almost walked away from it. I did almost walk away from it. And then I looked into possibly working with a coach and, you know, just kind of searching on Facebook and what I came across someone who was offering like sessions, she was giving them away. It was like, you know, she was building her business. And I was like, maybe this is meant for me to still be in it. I was like, you know, what do I have to lose? Let me, let me put my name out there. And her son pulled my name as <laughs> the winner. And I went, okay, so I am supposed to be here. And it was great. I just knew it's where I was supposed to be. I haven't stopped since. So it's been, it's been a blast and I love it. Yeah. That's good. Because you're doing really well yeah. now. So tell us a little bit yeah. about your neighborhood and also what services do you provide through your staging company? It's really vacant. I do a lot of vacant and I am a work in progress with breaking into that luxury market. I want to be staging those homes, those multi-million dollar homes on the oceanfront. So I do work with some luxury agents, which is kind of nice. And I offer the occupied and color consults, but I really don't do them. I don't do them a lot, but I do offer them. So basically the business is more geared towards the vacant and crossing over into the multi-million dollar luxury properties. And how is the real estate in your city right now in Jacksonville? Okay, so from what I'm hearing in my market, these agents are busier than they've ever been during COVID, which is unbelievable. I am starting to hear that inventory is very low. So the buyers are there, but inventory is becoming very low. But it's still a really hot market. Yeah. So how has COVID impacted you guys in terms of real estate? Well, I know that the agents have not slowed down at all. They were considered an essential business. So the home stagers, on the other hand, were considered non-essential. So we kind of did have to pause. And I think everybody went through that phase where it was like, okay, we're locked down for two and a half months. Time to get to work. (laughs) Can't do this anymore. I got to wear a mask. If I got to wear a full suit, that's what I'm going to do. But I got to go back to work. So that's kind of what happened. We literally shut it down for two and a half months and then it was back to business. And, you know, it's still going, it's still going. And we just take the precautions like everybody else. You know, you have to do what you have to do. The good thing is, you know, when you're in the vacancy, you're not really around many people. So I kind of do like that, but I still take the precautions. So how long have you had your home staging business? I'm coming up on almost four years. Yeah, pretty much been doing this my whole life, you know, from when I was young, everybody talks about it, like, how many times I changed the rooms in my house, like, I just did it constantly, you know, it was, it's too funny. But yeah, here in Jacksonville for the last four years, it wasn't only we staged Jacksonville. I mean, I kind of worked with another stager in the area, trained with other people, assisted other people, you kind of go through the phases. And then I always knew I wanted to do vacant, never faltered on that. I knew it was vacant all the way. So I was, I know they say, you really should do other things. I'm like, I know, but I really love the vacant. I just love being in the house when everything is settled and just kind of being 
creative and doing your thing. I have to stay is the funnest part. Yeah. Same thing for me. I always joke with my client, I'm a one trick pony. All I do are vacants. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Can jump, give them to some like the rest of them you can give it to other stager. And then I know you're talking about how in the beginning you really struggle in building the vacant business. So how did you get your first job and how did you grow your home staging business? My first job was, I think about it now, and it's cringeworthy. I won't even show pictures. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but no, it, it, it wasn't good. <laughs> but I was actually at a doctor's appointment. So it was my doctor, and he was, you know, had a gorgeous piece of property on the river. This was awesome. So for me, that was my first job, and I never stopped from there. I learned a lot from him because, you know, we talk about emotions and home staging, which they are. They're there not only for us, they're for everybody else. And he was really emotionally attached to his house and he was going through a really hard time. So he kind of did what he should do and then he couldn't do other things. And, you know, I think he hurt the sale of his house, you know, and I don't think he ever moved out of it. So we went through the process. We staged it. He was just going through a really hard time. I felt bad for him. He's a really nice guy and he just couldn't let go of his home. It is so hard, isn't it? And it's yeah, hard to yeah. see homeowners struggle yeah. so hard. Do you have any resistance with you working on his home? Yeah, his son had autism, actually. And they had a lot of great memories in the yard, specifically their pool. And it was kind of falling apart. And it was an above-ground pool, which is unusual to see in, you know, a million-dollar home. And on the river, no less. And it was kind of dilapidated. You know, we recommended that he remove it. You know, he, it's, it, it, was, it was more of a safety issue than anything. I mean, it was an eyesore, too. It was like as soon as you stepped in the home, you had these grand windows in the back. And that was the first thing you saw was this dilapidated. It just looked so strange. Um, and he did not want to take it down. And we kind of made the recommendations a couple of times. And then he said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, sure. And we had the conversation and I was like, oh gosh, I get it. You know, so you kind of feel for them, you know, and it was like, we'll see what happens just keeping it there. And it wasn't good. You know, obviously it was kind of what we thought, a lot of bad feedback. It was just falling apart and it just didn't fit the style of the home at all. So, you know, just turned around and said, you know what? I don't think I'm ready to sell this house. I'm just going to stay here. And he did. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Your first agent didn't sell because he ended up wanting to stay in his home. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew there's the good, the bad, the ugly with everything that you get involved in. And so I just chalked it up as I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot, especially about homeowners and how attached they were. So you kind of just, how could I have handled that differently? What could have I have said? And when I thought about it, I was pretty open and honest, was very real with them. And, you know, ultimately it came back to him making that decision that he didn't want to remove it. It had too many fond memories of the family. And that was pretty much it. That's a hard part, isn't it? That's the difficult, the human part of our job, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. why I prefer vacant is because they usually already moved out. So it's like, <laughs> they'll do that process. But there are a few yeah. times where we gone in. So I had this client who was really emotionally attached to her house and she was yeah. kind of forced to move. The real estate agent is a friend of hers. So like the real estate agent ended up packing for her because they need to get this on the market. They couldn't wait anymore. And yeah. the homeowner was just like really resisting it. Like the whole house was like a shrine to her daughter. Her daughter was an artist and now lives very far away and all this stuff. Yeah. And all these back catalog work is still being stored at the house. Yeah. 
and she literally the real estate agent would pack a box and then she would unpack the box it was really difficult she was also a hoarder you know we do deal with a lot of human emotions in the sale and i think that's the thing we need to be compassionate with what people are going through yeah. mm-hmm. i 100% agree it's hard and i'm very empathetic to them i feel it so you kind of have to give them their space and time to think about it and you just offer your best advice and you know hopefully they listen most of the times they do and it's it is a process you know sometimes it unfolds the way we want it to and sometimes it takes a little longer yeah i do yeah. Think a lot of stagers take very personally when their homeowner doesn't listen to them yeah i don't yeah yeah, I don't either. This mm-hmm. is the biggest lesson I think my mom gave me because my mom used to be a dentist, actually. Oh, okay. And then she will make all these recommendations. She'll be like, you need to pull this tooth out. And people will be like, no, I, I don't want it. <laughs> it doesn't get personal. She's just like, look, this is how it is. I'm just telling you my professional opinion. It's up to you. Like you already pay me for my time, but it's up to yeah. you if you follow it or not. And mm-hmm. she always tells the story about how this guy refused to get his wisdom tooth pulled out. And then he came back because my mom used to work at a VA hospital in the dentistry mm-hmm. department. And then she was getting her own wisdom tooth pulled. And then he was yeah. just like, okay, well, if you're doing it, maybe I should do it too. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that saying? Misery loves company? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how did you grow your home staging business from there? I never relented, put it that way. I knew what I wanted and I was going after it. And I never stopped learning and growing, you know, learn as much as I can about the industry. And you kind of loop yourself in with people that are successful and you learn from them. And I knew once I got the warehouse, I was starting to, it was starting to become very real. So I bit the bullet on that. It happens. And then the warehouse next to it opened up and we had a lot of properties coming in and out. And me and my husband kind of looked at each other and were like, we should grab it before it goes, right? Because it's it's right next door to us. It makes so much sense. And we wound up grabbing that warehouse. It was definitely trial and error along the way. A lot of pain points. You know, like I said, there was a point where I thought, I don't know, is this for me? Maybe it's not for me. You expect the phone to start ringing right out the gate and it doesn't, but I just stayed very focused because I knew, I know some stagers, they still don't know what they want to do. They dabble, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? I just knew what I wanted to do. And I was laser focused on it and just made it happen. No, I think that's amazing. I think having that clarity in your business is so important. It really informs all the subsequent decisions. Yeah, if you're just really focusing on that one business model, it's so much easier as well. And I have to say the warehouse is a game changer, isn't it? That's exciting. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. And getting that second one, we literally got it right before COVID hit. It happened right before they shut us down. I was like, ouch, like that was an ouch. We were nervous. We were definitely nervous. But you know what? Every month we were able to pay the bills and that's all I wanted to do. I was very happy about it. Like we just managed to get through the craziness during COVID. You know, we nobody knew what we were dealing with. It was very scary. You know, I didn't want it to become a deterrent for me. You know, I, I was like, no, this is not happening. This happened to me before. I remember when I opened my dream of mine and I did, and it was right before 9-11, three days before the towers went down. It took me two years to get it up and running. And when I finally had my kickoff date, which was September 8th, the towers went down on the 11th and it was just like, wow, 
this was unbelievable. This was such a moment. And I thought, you know what? I literally was like, well, you know, Lord, if it's meant to be, the clientele will come. And they came and they supported my, it was unbelievable. And I had that flashback when COVID hit, when we just got the second warehouse and I'm thinking, this is not happening. This, But yeah, things happen. So you have to be prepared for them. And we were. We definitely were. So I feel like we're past that point. Just kind of looking forward to 2021. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody feels that way. Can't wait for the new year. Yeah. So you broke up for a second. So your dream was to open what? It just cut out right there. When I was younger, I always knew I wanted to do a boutique, a women's boutique. So I did. It was called Body and Soul and it was women's clothing, jewelry, shoes. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it. When I tell you, I think back and I look, I go, wow, I had that vision in my head and I put it on paper and it came to fruition and I loved it. And it was great. And we had it for about two years. And then my husband had an opportunity to relocate to Florida. And we have been vacationing here our whole lives. Like every time you know, because the winters are brutal up there. So we always came to Florida during, you know, the winter season. And he was like, you know, I have an opportunity. Do you want to go? And I was like, we didn't even bat an eye. And it happened just like that. It was like, yes, let's go. And we closed up shop and then we were here. And then I just kind of continued with the businesses because I've always done that. I had online businesses. I've done fundraising. So I've always had that bug, the entrepreneurial bug, so to speak. I've always had that. I always knew that I was going to land something big. And I knew when I started doing stage and I'm like, yeah, this could be good. This looks good. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that you're a go-getter and you just make yeah. it happen and you don't let anything deter you. But I have yeah. to also say that I think COVID, despite how horrible it's been, the silver yeah. lining is that if COVID didn't kill your business, then you know you're good. That's yeah. how I when I lived through the 2009 recession, when the recession yes. killed my business, I feel like, you know what? Maybe yeah. I'm like a cockroach. I can't survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And 10 years later, I'm still here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel. Somebody said something. I, I, there was an expression. I, I forget what it is. It's like something with the devil you put your feet on the ground it's like yeah she's up watch out that's where I am in my mind that's where I am <laughs> yeah so what were some of the challenges that you faced when you first started growing your business spending the money on inventory <laughs> it's like, vacant it's like inventory storage yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you definitely have to invest in the business. That was kind of scary to do, you know, but we did it. We bit the bullet and said, we're just going to do it. We know what we have to do. and We're just going to take it. I remember we were talking about it. We we're like, yeah, we're just going to go out. We're going to buy 10 houses of furniture. And then, you know, you get that bill. It's like, well, maybe we'll do it gradually. <laughs> Let's just get one and see where it goes. And that's kind of what I did. I mean, you know, so I would tell any new stager out there listening to do the same thing. Like if you want to go that route, make the investment in the inventory. If you can do market, because I've always done market, you know, I had the retail store. So I did New York, Vegas. I've never done High Point, but I'm in Florida now. So I have done High Point for the furniture. It's just kind of, you know, take it step by step and just do it nice and easy. You don't have to, you know, go crazy. So, you know, it was like one was out, then another came in. It was like, all right, so we had to go buy another one. And then another job came in. It was like, okay, I can see how this is evolving. Yeah. <laughs> 
so no, but I think going to market is such a great tip. Even if you're not ready to buy, it's good to know exactly. the and yes. know the pricing as well because you can mm-hmm. have they, they usually have labels telling you how much the sofa is. So you can do the homework and research and actually start getting to know the reps too. Because yes. reps super important when you buy wholesale. Yes, yes. And you definitely do need, like you said, you don't have to go there and buy anything. Although I will say if someone goes there and doesn't buy anything, they're pretty disciplined because I am a sucker for the market. I cannot help it. I have to get something. But I do. I can't help it. I'm, a, I'm an accessory girl. So I love my accessories. So I, I invest a lot in the accessories. But what I've done was you just kind of go there and you build your list of people that you want to work with, things that really jumped out at you. And that's kind of what I've done. So you don't always have to go every year because you still stay in contact with them. And you can reach out, you know, obviously everything's online now. So it's kind of easy to do. I mean, they're doing virtual walkthroughs of their showroom, you know, so it's kind of amazing how things have changed so much. In a way, it's more efficient. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I'm not the biggest person, to be honest. I think out of all the markets, I've been Vegas, probably the biggest and then the best one to see everything. Yes. I'm not a fan of Vegas in general. I think also because of Californian, you find opportunity, you go to Vegas quite a bit for other reasons, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. like going to Vegas doesn't really have that allure for someone maybe on the East Coast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I haven't done High Point yet. I heard High Point is incredible because I yeah, used to High Point is amazing. Yeah, I used to freelance for Ralph Lauren and their showroom is two million dollars, not just two, but it's incredible how they spent a million just on one room to be to yes. the best and latest technology and all this stuff that they want to show. So it's pretty incredible to see. It is amazing what they do just to have people come in from all over the world, you know. The showrooms are pretty amazing. So yeah, you can, you know, that is eye candy at its best when you're at the show. For me anyway, my family knows they're like, uh-oh, Teresa's going to market. Steve's going to be broke. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'll behave. I'll behave. I will. I have to go with a checklist. I can't overbuy. Like if I, I say I do, I have become disciplined just buying anything for the business. Yeah. 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 My sister will kill me if I overbuy. So yeah. You kind of do have to plan for what you're going to purchase. Yeah. So yeah. I've you gotten better. I've gotten better at it. Yeah. Because we don't have infinite space in the warehouse. That's the other thing. That would be amazing if we have infinite space, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a pretty large team now to help you manage the business? Because you now got two warehouses. It sounds like your husband works with you as well. Yeah, my family has been real supportive. They've always been. So I have my husband and he's amazing with everything. I almost want to equate him to, and I will, because, you know, I know she's a friend of yours. I love her to death, Anthea. Okay, that team that they have, that's me and my husband for sure. He's the warehouse manager. He repairs my furniture. He builds my furniture. He transports my furniture. But I do have girls that like stagers in the area, you know, so I don't have employees right now. Although I am looking into how to do that. It's really having other stagers work as my assistants. We, that's kind of how we help each other out in this market. So, yeah, so it's good to have the subcontractors and always want to help. I think a lot of stagers are creative and it's really helpful when someone who's really strong operations coming in. So they build each other, they complement the skill set. So that's actually yes. a way to run the business. 
Yeah, I sit here and I go, okay, why am I spending all this time down there unpacking inventory when I can have somebody else do it and I could maybe land another job? That is kind of where I am with my thinking about it now. We hear it a lot when we're first learning about it and going through it. And then all of a sudden, it was like a light bulb moment. Like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Very fortunate where I am. So I'm happy. No, I think that's good. Yeah. And so now your business is pretty established because you've gone out of the starter phase, I think. And now yeah. you're more established, you have consistent clientele. What are some of the challenges now that you're facing with your marketplace? Yeah, I think it's kind of scaling it right now. So I remember I went to, it was conference and Anthea was presenting and she was all over my radar because she was talking about hiring. So I do listen to that every once in a while because she's pretty tough when it comes to, you know, who she's bringing on. And I do feel the same way. I just, you don't want to hire people and then have them not work out and then have to rehire and go through that. It's, I don't want to feel that pain point because you feel a lot of pain points in the business. So I don't want to feel that. So I think that's kind of where I am right now with just finding some challenges, biting the bullet, I'm looking at my own truck like I am looking at that right now. I've had too many nightmares with movers and it's like, oh gosh, I just cannot deal with this. But, you know, I am kind of talking to somebody right now who's looking for trucks for me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is something that I'm looking at. So I have some good things on the horizon. Hopefully that'll take it to the next level. So you know, I think that's really exciting. And I think really for scaling, it's really you need people. That's the only way. We all have 24 hours a day. And so the only way to grow is to get more hours into your yes. business. And that is yes. people. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, I go through a very lengthy hiring process. And I encourage you to do that as well, because it will cut down the rate of people not working out. If you're very, very clear up front what mm-hmm. the expectation is and what the job is like, and you can show that through your hiring process as well. I think that would be very helpful for your potential candidate and actually get them really excited to work with you through your interview process. I am excited about that. Like I said, Anthea gave a really good presentation. So I do listen to her every once in a while just to kind of refresh it and know what to do and what to expect. You know, I am looking forward to that process because I know, like I say, I can handle, honestly, I can handle four to five a month And that's good. Like I can do that, but it kicks my butt. Like I feel it. Like I'm like, oh, like you feel it, but I could do it. So I want, let's just bring someone else on or maybe let's bring two more people on to kind of duplicate that, you know, because that's where I want to be. So it's going to happen. It's happening. I should say that it is happening. It is happening. It's like you were trained to become a sager, right? It's the same way that you can bring assistant to do that. Alicia, yesterday, she was talking about how she basically approaches it. She creates these mini courses for her employees or her contract or her stagers, and they have to watch it. So before the meeting, they have to watch the training, and then they come to the meeting and they role play. That's how she trains oh. the consultation. Okay, so you had someone on yesterday. There was You had the girl that did your branding? Alicia. So she's in oh, the okay. branding. Uh, yeah, blonde. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got to catch that one. I want to watch yeah. that. She was also in our six-year floor plan course, and then she's now grown her business as well. And so she's hired a few different assistants. So that's how she trains her 
managing assistants. And I think that is a really helpful process. We just did a hiring spree ourselves for the school because I wanted to make sure that students have more higher touches, you know, to mm-hmm. make sure they're helping students to push forward. And yeah, and we go through a really lengthy hiring process, very lengthy boarding process as well. What I found is the more detailed and more prepared you are, just like you running, buying inventory, the easier the actual process is because you already have the workflow, you have the systems, and you can really quickly tell if people are right for you or not right off the bat. And the candidates who apply are very exciting. You know, the ones that gone through the second interview there by then they're really really excited they really want a job they really want to work with you so i think yeah hiring is an art it's hard yeah yeah <laughs> but if yeah. you find the right people it's like having wings you know like your business just flies so yes. same thing for yes. us too when we had the right staging assistant i was really able to feel safe that my assistant can be on a job site taking care of everything while I'm out there getting another job in the pipeline. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Definitely looking forward to doing that. But I I do want to be good at it. I mean, I've interviewed people in, you know, nine to five jobs, but this is different. It's a little different. So So we have usually a paper cut. People will hand it in. I like to do a questionnaire and I like to ask questions. They're not yes or no question. They're open-ended. Like, tell me a situation. Yes. How would you respond to that? Or if life is a box of chocolate, what kind of chocolate are you going to be? I like to have yeah. questions because I want to know right. about personality. And then I want them to send me their resume telling me their work experience. And in the questionnaire we ask, it's like, how does these work experience help you build your skill set? And then we go through an actual interview. So for yeah. warehouse assistant, they actually do 20 minutes. I will take them to my pillow room and I'll tell them how I'd like to organize my pillow, which is by colors. And I like everything wrapped. So we have these bags that we use for pillows. So they're covered from dust and all this stuff. And so then I give them 20 minutes and then they just face with like a pile mountain of pillow, you know, because after destaging, you were just like throwing it into the yes. room. Yes, yes. <laughs> And then I'm very clear, I'm like, this is actually the typical thing you'll be doing in the way Dealing with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll give you a radio, and, but that's pretty much it. You know, I give you the space and you go at it and then see how you do. And you just sit there and watch them, how they do things. If they get really flustered. You know, this is not the right job for them. And for on-site, because yeah. our on-site assistant usually, all they do is make beds. They make beds and then they oh, clean okay. them and they help us pack. And so when they come on job site, I'll be like, here's Windex and then here's a cloth and you need to help me clean up the space, depending what time they get there. Or here's the bed and here's our steamer and have at it for 20 minutes. And then you can really see if they have any instinct. Just making a bed, I hope their parents had taught them that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they better know how to make a bed <laughs> yeah i think most adults know how to make a bed but you yeah. can see their instinct like how dedicated they are to get that wrinkle out of the best friend <laughs> yeah you know? we're trying it's to hide a, it from you yeah <laughs> yeah and it's, it's a mutual process in a way because if you hate doing this right now you will hate working for us it's very yes. clear because this is exactly what we'll be doing on the job gotcha and then so then we check in with them to make sure they're okay. And then we move into the trial period. So we give them the training. So what we did was we had an HR consultant who helped us build an employee manual that we also give to oh, them. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
right off the bat, these are professional policies. For example, what are some of the dates we're closed? What is the dress mm-hmm. code? Especially going to be on site. But essentially, mm-hmm. everyone needs to wear closed toe shoes for health, health and safety. Things like social media. If you are on a job site and then you're working on the staging mm-hmm. and you're taking photos for your Instagram, what do we want you to do, right? Because as a business owner, you can decide, can they put that on their Instagram or no? You know, how do we handle gotcha. things like that? So the HR consultant was really great because California is really annoying that there's a lot of laws that changes all the time. Usually it's really easy for employee can make any claims against you in the labor department and almost always the employer loses. They can say, oh, like she didn't fire me properly or she didn't write me up. So everything needs to have a paper trail in California. And so HR consultant was very helpful because we just basically had a whole system of our templates and also workflow because say an employee broke a vase. What do we do from that? Is it malicious? She's just having a bad day and she starts smashing your vases. (laughs) Or it's an accident. If it's an accident, is that something that's preventable? Because accident could be because she didn't wrap it properly. Or simple accident is it just fell off the shelf by itself or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Somebody bumped the shelf, it's a pure accident thing. So those are kind of things that as a business owner, we have to learn how to handle as well. So those are kind of things that the HR consultant is really good at to make sure you're covered legally. That was great information for sure, because I think I am where I am in my thought process on this is I'm not where I want to hire employees right now. Maybe just kind of stick with the subcontracting because it's easier. It's just easier. And we don't have, I don't think we have the, we don't in Florida, like the stringent laws you have in California. I do feel that if you can land that person that compliments you, you know, not necessarily is like me, but someone that does things that I necessarily do not want to do or don't like to do, that could be a real benefit to the business. So that was great information for sure. Yeah, I think scaling is really the only way service business can scale. And it's so challenging sometimes because I think hiring is definitely a skill that we learn and we train ourselves for it so yeah that's really the growing pain i think yeah yeah running a service-based business <laughs> it's okay i'll yeah. take it it's worth it i'll take it <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the you're really good at is marketing so how do you usually market yourself in your business and also like how do you find real estate agents that believe in staging the marketing i've done and and I she's definitely been on your show before, Kate. You know, yeah. yeah, Kate the socialite. She's actually built my website, and I've done marketing through her. Like followed her systems, and it was kind of easy to do. You know, send out the newsletters, post on Facebook, post on Instagram. I am interested in getting more involved in the Instagram stories, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm diving a little bit more into the Instagram, like learning a little bit more about it. Because half the features on the phone, I don't even know what they are. I'm like pushing this button, pushing this button. I'm like, okay, I really do need to do a deep dive here and learn it. So I have, and it's interesting. I really like it. I'll probably be doing more posting with Instagram and Instagram stories for my marketing. And then for the agents, I am working with luxury agents and I have been for the past year. And then obviously they're big supporters of mine and I'm a big supporter of theirs as well. So when agents will walk through their houses, they'll call me and say, you know, oh, I got your name, whatever. So then it turns into something else. Like I start staging with them. And 
so it's kind of been a snowball effect, you know? So it's been a little bit of, you know, marketing coming back off the website. Google has been good to me as well. People Google me and they're like, yeah, I kind of liked your website or I like the luxury look you bring. And so I have gotten that a lot. So I'm like, okay, yes, that's working. So I'll stick with that. Yeah. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. I, I have, I don't have a lot of agents I'm working with. I have enough to keep us busy. I keep saying like Roseanne and Nikki, they're with the coastal home group here in Jacksonville, Florida. If I could have 10 of them, I'd be golden. Yeah, it would be golden. But, you know, you have to work it and everyone has different styles and agents have different way of doing business, which I'm learning how they do business. Some of them don't want to be there when I'm there. They're like, no, just go do your thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because there are other agents that are like, no, you can't go there without me. I have to be there with you. I'm like, okay. So you kind of learn their style and just go with it. So it's fun. I mean, I'm a people person. So I, you know, I just roll with it. That's great. In regards to your top producers, you just find where they hang out because they just hang out with people like them. Yes, it's true. And you said that, which kind of sparked something for me. So the agents that I have been working with, they have been asked to be on the cover of top producer here in Jacksonville. And they asked me to be on the cover with them. And I was so excited about that. That was awesome. I was like, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. Yes, I will do that one with you. (laughs) So that's coming up next week. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's amazing. You should send that to every single client. I will. (laughs) I don't have to do anything else. It's like, here you go. You want it to be luxury? Here you go. Yeah. So that was nice. I mean, it really was nice. I was like, I would never expect that from any agent. I mean, that's their moment to shine. So I was really happy when they asked me. Yeah, we've become really good friends. So it's it's nice. Yeah, that's incredible. I think the great thing about press is like, it not necessarily brings you job, but it gives you that stamp of approval. And so when people yeah. book you, they see that you've been on a magazine. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. hire Teresa. She's been on top yeah. of her magazine. So <laughs> yeah, I know that's kind of funny. I'm like, really? Yeah, I, I was. I had to take me a moment, but I said, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> this no. is one I won't be shy with. Yeah, I'll do this one. No, that's fabulous. I love that. Yeah. I think one of the things I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your home staging business? There's a lot of growing pains, you know, you have to stay committed. You just have to believe that it's going to happen. And I I don't know if I said this earlier, but I know I said it earlier today to a a new stager. She called me. I actually told her, I did tell you, I told her to come on. And I said, you know, I know what it feels like to quit. I want to know what it feels like to take that next step. So that's kind of where I am. So it's really been, it's just kind of staying committed to the process. And just you have your good days, you're up, you're down, but you can't get in your head. When you get to that point, it's like pull out something inspirational, go listen to a webinar, do something fun you love. So I always go to color. Color is always it for me. So I always do something fun with color. Yeah. And just, you know, be disciplined and dedicated and it'll happen. You know, I mean, you're going to get a lot of no's I've gotten. I'm not going to say I landed every job and I'm good with that. I mean, there were some jobs where I went, yeah, we're not going to work out. But thank you very much. I'll refer you, though. (laughs) I have the perfect person for you. (laughs) So, you know, it's just being, you know, figure out what you want to do and stay true to yourself. Just be you. You know, don't try to be somebody else. I don't look at what other stagers are doing. I know a lot of stagers do that. I don't care. I'm like doing my own thing. So I kind of tell them the same. Just stop worrying about what other people are doing and just do you. 
No, I agree with that so yeah. much. No, actually, I didn't even know what my competitors were doing. I think you really need to focus on, you know how like horses, you know, they have blinders yes. on. And I think that's yeah. how it needs to be a lot of times. Obviously, you need to yeah. know the larger environment, but I really don't care what my competitors do because that's them, you know? Right. It doesn't really have significant impact. Because I also think that you have your own audience. The agents who choose you versus the knowledge down the street, they see something special in you that they connect with. And they might not feel the same way with the other stager down the street, even though they might be cheaper or they might yeah. be bigger houses, bigger projects or more famous. It's about you and how can you deepen those connections with your clients or your potential client and to really grow that relationship organically for me it's yeah. really more about relationship it's not necessarily about oh I, I need to compete on price i don't really like to compete on price but i think that yeah. it's always a lose-lose game because eventually yeah. you're gonna get so bitter about it too you're gonna have resentment to your clients that you feel yeah. like oh how can you not want to pay me more but that's human nature no one wants to pay more everyone wants to pay yeah. less to get more yeah, I don't waver on price. I mean, I work with my agents that I work with that obviously have helped me grow my business. So I will always work with them. But others, no, I won't. I won't change my price. I have a minimum and that's it. I mean, it it truly is. I say, just to get the trucks rolling, it's about $700. So no, we're not throwing any discounts towards you, but I'll do your bathroom. <laughs> I will over deliver for you, but I don't say it until I'm in the house. And then it's like, you know, then we have the conversation. It's like, well, how it really came out, you know, better than I thought. And it was like, well, I did want to do a little something extra for you. You know, you kind of not play that game, but it is, you kind of let them know, I heard you, I'm listening to you. But I'm also, I will say like an agent, he definitely tried to talk me down. And I, it just came out and I wasn't being disrespectful, but I was like, you know, I'm not running a hobby. <laughs> I am running a business. And he started laughing. And I was like, it's just like you. It's I do. I'm doing the same thing you are, you know? So I said, I will definitely make sure that the homeowner is over the moon. And they were. So I was happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the key is really to consistently over deliver. You know, you it is a client expectation and you don't over promise them. And then the thing is, everything you promise, you make sure you deliver. And if you do a little bit yes. more, there's thrill because they feel like yes. you got to feel there's good return on investment and they're happy and they'll come back. Yeah, I agree. I'm yeah. big on that. I'm a giver by nature. So this is very easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Agents want to look good with their clients. Those are kind of the things that makes you successful as a home stager because you are dedicated. You're really great with marketing. And then also you over deliver consistently. When they ask me to go on the listing presentations with them, I love that too, because, you know, they're showing that they definitely trust me enough to be there to not say anything that could potentially be damaging to their relationship. I always tell them, I'm following your lead. The minute you ask me something, I'm all in. And I just kind of feel the same way. It's like, I am there. We want a win-win across the board. So when that homeowner is ecstatic and that agent looks amazing, I am so happy with that. It's not about me. It is about them. And it is about that homeowner and the experience that they're going through because, you know, it is kind of an emotional thing. I mean, we've had, you know, homeowners literally lose it, crying, bawling. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so emotional. This is unbelievable. Like I knew it, but you know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit more raw. I am that person that will tread lightly when it comes to 
them. I just listen to them. I just listen to them, you know, tell their story. Yeah. My last question for you before we get off is that what would be your number one tip for homesagers to grow their homesaging business? Probably not to get in their head. Don't overthink it. You know, believe that you have something the world needs to see. Just kind of go for it and just be dedicated. Some of them, the new stagers will call me every once in a while. And that's kind of what I tell them. Just don't get in your way. It's very easy to go negative, but always try to stay positive and do something you love in the business, you know, take time for yourself and, you know, believe that it'll happen. Don't take it personal. Like you're saying with homeowners, I don't take that personal when they don't want to work with me. I really don't. I get it. And then just, you know, basically just stay true to who you are. And, you know, if you get 10 no's, there's bound to be a yes. And that could be your moment where it's like, okay, this is going to start happening for me. So just stick with the process. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on my show. <laughs> Thank today. you, Cindy. I appreciate you asking. It was a lot of fun. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.